welcome back, and here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk. Matt, got a question? Why am I dancing and you're just sitting? Because I can see you on Skype. And you can see me. Although you're standing and I'm not. Hey, it's all fast now. <laughs> this, is, this is true. I thought you usually use a standing desk. Uh, I I've do been, use a I've standing desk. Standing. In fact, I have to stand in order to do my recordings of my uh, videos. Oh, YouTube videos. Good. My screen doesn't go down uh, low enough behind me. Oh, yeah. You have a green screen proper? I do. I do. I've seen it. I do have a green screen. I don't have... I, I'd like to get one. It wouldn't really work in this weird Victorian house I'm in right now, but, um, you know. All you need is a flat so, wall. Yeah, which there's not a lot of in here. They're very strange. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Um, Are you in a circular room right now? <laughs> no, there is one, actually, right next to me. Is is it white? No. Is there a white jacket hanging outside the door? <laughs> not inside uh, the door? You're referencing The Shining? I don't know. What are you referencing? A, a white room with a straight jacket that they put you in oh, so you yeah. can't hurt yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. You're like banging it's your head right. against the wall. Let statement won't take variable. <laughs> <laughs> the, the house has a turret, though. It's really strange. <clears throat> so uh, rooms on each floor have round, like curved windows that go up and down. Ooh, curved windows. That's hard yeah. from that era. It's, I know, yeah. 1907. So we're going to nerd out on a couple different things. Um. In advance of other exciting things that are going to be happening on very soon upcoming podcasts. By the way, we also discovered that we recorded an episode that got lost um, from a year ago with Scott Love. I don't know how it never got posted, but it didn't. So we'll be releasing that one after the fact. Okay. Sorry, Scott. Um, but yeah, you had you had an interesting thing to nerd on, and I had one to nerd on. Let's start. You first. So we're going to call this uh, series sort of uh, Matt Walk Me Through It. And that way, whichever the person is uh, guiding, then the other person will follow along. So uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I just said yeah, I want you to. Matt Walk Me Through It. Oh, okay. All right. So you've got <laughs> FileMaker in front of you, right? I do. Okay. Yes. Okay. You're gonna... The current version, which is 16. Wait. <laughs> 18. Oh, it doesn't matter. Make a Whatever. script. Make a script. Make a script. I can do that. I go to Script Master or Script Maker or oh yeah, whatever. Script whatever it's called this way week. old. <laughs> Scripting workspace for the uh, for the new and uninitiated. All right. Make a script and make a new uh -huh. step. It is show custom dialogue. Show custom dialogue. SCD gets you right there. Okay. So go ahead and Click put in your title. Uh, you can put in like whatever you want. Titles. This yeah, is titles. the title, and then I'm, for the okay. message, I'm going to put "Hello World," and then right. just say "Okay." All right. Okay. So you're looking at the script uh, workspace right now, and you're looking at your script. Or uh -huh. read off what you can see for from the steps. Show custom dialogue. Um, and square brackets, some title in quotes, semicolon, hello world, in quotes. Can you see the names of your buttons? Nope. That sucks. <laughs> um, true. So, let's do this. Add a step above it of set variable. Okay. Call the variable buttons. 
All right. Okay. In the specified calculation for that, you can now yes. use the list function. Uh -huh. So list, and then put in the Which names part? of the three <clears throat> buttons you want. Let's say okay. continue is button number one. Um, I don't know. Do it for next button, and then cancel for next one. By the way, list is definitely one of my favorite functions. List okay. will take out all of your returns, even if you have returns in there. All right. Mm -hmm. So now go back into your show custom dialog. And for your default button, uh -huh. say get value, <clears throat> reference your variable of buttons, and specify one. And now you can copy and paste that same calculation and just change the value to get value of two and get value of three. All right. And oh, I don't know why I'm fixing my typos, but I am, even though I can see them. All right. So now look at your script and now read me the script. It's not different. It's what? It's still saving. Let me close it and reopen it. It's not different. Well, I mean, still says, can, does the script read as set variable buttons, list, continue, second button, cancel, show custom I was thinking dialog. That, yes, that's true. This is true. So yes. you can now see your buttons, but on top of that, what this does is when you don't put the hard-coded values to a show dialog directly in the dialog, you do not get the opportunity to make this script, or this script step in particular, something that can be localized. Mm -hmm. Because that set variable of buttons could come from a global variable or other variables that could have, like, the Spanish version, the German version, whatever. Sure. Plus, they're not obscured. Yeah, you could have also made another variable just above it <clears throat> with the title and the button text. So that could have been localizable variable too. Exactly. I was expecting that by using a variable in my button names, it was going to show up on my show custom dialog button. I thought that's where you're going with this whole thing, but no, you're just, this is just a cool hack that you use. Well, it's how I expose things for every script step that doesn't have things exposed. I prefer to make it so that I can, I can read it without having to go into it. And I wish FileMaker would fix these certain things, but mm -hmm. the, the benefits that you still get from having the options of your title, your message, and the actual button names external are just too advantageous to not do it that way. Um, when it comes to making the decision in your logic of you know, which button did they click, you can even take it beyond that point. And because you can't say, you can use FileMaker's get last message choice. And that's the best because it's numerical. It's one, two, or three. Mm -hmm. But you can also do that in your code so that it becomes readable against the actual words, even if the words are in a foreign language. So you can basically say, if the foreign language, if the word I set for button number two matches the word that they chose, then you can go ahead and perform that step. So it adds, right. adds a little bit extra, but I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I like it. So, I mean, is there anything... Like, how do you use usually you show custom dialogue, just as is? Um, pretty much. I, um, I almost never use the title feature. 
don't they not show up on the Mac, but they do on Windows? Or maybe that's used to be that way, but now it shows up on the Mac. I just hardly ever use titles. Interesting. Um, I also use show custom dialogue as sparingly as possible. Ah, are you using the card because, windows now? Yeah, I use card windows or I use other widgets. I find that the modal dialogue really slows down a user's progress. They... Um, like if you're trying to catch an error, so if you're, let's say you have a data entry screen and you're, there's some data that you really, really want, like company name, and the user makes a new record and the company name doesn't have a value, and you really, really, really want a value in company name, otherwise your data is not valid. Mm -hmm. So a lot, of, uh, a lot of developers would, um, upon like entering the screen or tabbing out of a field or whatever trigger, they would flash a dialogue that says, hey, company name is still empty. Put something in there. I hate that. Uh, it's the modality so, or the... I mean, because if you use a card window, that's still going to be modal, too, in regards to your UI. Well, I think it's insulting. So I, I have developed sort of a... Um, it's a user. I, I think it's insulting to the user to, to do that. So I have kind of a gradation of severity of techniques that I use. So... Um, and kind of varies based on the application. One of them would be custom, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, formatting. So I would turn, if the field is empty, I would turn it safe to yellow, which, by the way, is hex color FFFF00. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's funny. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, I thought it was funny. So what was the highlighting? What's the hi How did you get to the highlight? So like if, if you, if you um, let's say that the Field is only important if it's filled out if some other fields have data. So, like, for example, you creating a customer record and you put in a credit limit and you put in an address. Actually, a better example is, like, on the address field, you put in the street address, but you don't put in the zip code. So you're, you're, this is an indication of, of missing elements, of missing pieces of data? Yeah. Yeah, so a missing piece of data on a layout, and you're trying to bring attention to it because you don't want the user to be lazy or you know you, there's something wrong with the record the gotcha. credit limit is over the invoice balance you're trying to draw attention to something so so this is just uh, an alter alternate to what you've seen others do when a piece of data is missing they will bring up a dialogue with a prompt with an input right ah gotcha gotcha yeah i mean you could you could have a dialogue that lets, lets the user type the company name it just feels jarring and app and good applications just shouldn't do that gotcha i think i would submit that a really good application could actually be built with no dialogues at all you could think your way around it and pretty much never use that feature that would be my preference gotcha now i do use um, i'll tell you i i will if it's a larger solution i will opt to use my own, because with card windows, you, of course, have full control over the layout. And you can make it look like a standard dialogue or make it look however you want. That is the mm -hmm. most advantageous. But what I have found is show custom dialogue, if you're doing things on iOS, is just a little bit better. It's, it ties into the UI. And mm -hmm. I like to use it because card windows, drawing a new window on iOS just doesn't work for me. I mean, you can I'll go also to a separate you, layout, but yeah. Do you use um, the input fields on the dialogue? Have you used sometimes, those? very rarely. 
Yeah, because because you can't format them. So like if you're looking for something like a date, you can't put a picker. If you want a number, you can't put a dollar sign. Oh, true. Um, they're, they're they're just kind of raw. True. Yeah. Um, if you just need so straight I, I pretty input, much never. it's great. Although I must say, I love the fact that on the input fields now, along with like all the insert steps, you can specify that the input goes into a variable. That's true. I like so that. So you don't have to have a field. So it does make any type of raw input collection very easy. But have you seen in the show custom dialog? Open that dialog up on your copy of FileMaker. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to ask you a question. So mm-hmm. let's say you've, you've gone to the input fields, select input field 1, and specify that you want the input to go into a variable. Okay. And now go back to the general tab. And tell me what the commit data is going to do <laughs> in terms of the, the checkbox there. You, you're putting the data in. You want to set the yeah. data that you capture from a user into a variable. Does that button have to be checked or unchecked in order for it to go into the variable? I, I would guess that it wouldn't matter, that it wouldn't apply if you're using a variable. But yet it does. If you oh, do not, please. if you do not have commit data checked, even if you specify to capture data into a variable, it won't work. Oh God! <laughs> uh, so it's not like actually- at all. Like even after the script finishes running and you go to the next line of code, it still doesn't commit it. No. I, oh, that's. I, it's just. I think it's a byproduct of how they implemented it. It's. It's like another yeah. half-ass implementation that commit data was added after the fact, where they figured, you know what, a lot of developers are forgetting to add the commit data step when we used to set to a field. Oh well, let's add variable support now to the to the dialogs. Oh, but if the commit data isn't checked, it just doesn't go into the variable. I'm like. When I I found that took me like a half an hour one day where I was just like, are you kidding me? I'm not committing the data to the database. I just want it to go in the variable. <laughs> uh, so a key little thing there All to right. remember. Yeah, noted. Awful. <laughs> All right. So let's. Uh, what about yours? You ready for mine? Yes. <clears throat> in in the same script, wait, and we have to. If we're going to do this thing, you have to say, you have to give me the tagline. The tagline of what? Oh, of what this segment is called, remember? Oh, it's uh, uh, Matt and Matt walk me through this. Walk, walk me through it. Walk me through this, Matt. So in the same script, type SF for San Francisco. SF? And you get oh, SF, set field. Set field, got it. Shortcuts. And shortcuts, I love the if the first letter of each command is great. It's a super fast way. It's like sort of like early days of Unix, you know? Um, the set field, you know what? I'm actually completely wrong. That's jumping the gun a little bit. What I meant to say is PF, perform fine. All right, PF. So perform fine, click the gear, click specify fine requests. Okay. First of all, do you ever use this? I do. Yes. Okay. I never do. I actually, I do it with a variable. So if you have a variable step, a set variable in front of this, I Uh set the variable to query. And I make that whatever I'm looking for. So um, I've got a set variable. It says query. I can read what I'm looking for. Let's say I'm looking for the value of uh, one, O-N-E. 
then in perform find in the find criteria where I edit I select the field that I want and then the criteria becomes variable query okay I'm, I'm trying to think of a specific example that I found that does not work if you use perform find with a specified query. I think it's for searching related data that's null or something something about searching related data that works the way you expect it if you just do a regular, like in, in, if you go into the database and do the search. But if you use it in perform find, it does not work. Well, perform find I think is just like that show custom dialog. It obscures what the values are in that step. That's not what I'm saying, though. What yeah, I'm no, saying is there's saying actually there's functional differences of how this functions and works that are different than the way that it works in FileMaker. Right, and, I, and I, you've mentioned that in the past because you prefer the other method, right? Yes. And so what's that one? Walk me through it. Okay, so... Um, I guess we won't talk too much about what this kind of very clunky interface of searching. You have like find records, perform records, like making your searches are just kind of odd to me. I don't know. So here's here's what I do instead. Um, I do. I don't use my set variable. Ef. Um, I do ef enter find mode. Pause. Now do you space, turn the pause? Space bar. Do you use the pause on or off? Off always. And you can turn the space bar right after you hit enter find mode to turn it you off. You know, I have to be honest. I've never had a reason where I needed that on or off. I mean, on. Oh, I have. Oh, yeah. Why is it that you would need on? Let's finish this, and I'll tell you. The next step is set field. And then if you have an emit step, you can also just type emit, emit record. Right. If it's an, if and then it's if an you want to make a new request, you make a new request. Right. So... Um, so that's it, new record slash request. Th those are the choices that I have. And inside that... Well, you've got your last step has to be the perform the find, right? Perform find, of With course. No yeah, I kept that one in there without any uh, other arguments. But enter find mode, set field, perform find is an absolutely intensely powerful set of things in FileMaker. From those ch choices, and if you add in um, emit record, new request constrain and extend, you get just crazy amounts of power in terms of what you're trying to do. And it's really easy to write, really easy to understand, really, really easy to test. So this is what I teach in classes. I'm actually teaching an advanced class right now. Yep. If you want to sign up, hit me up um, on our website, app.works. Um, it's really fun to do classes by Zoom. Um, it always works the way you expect. And it's just really easy to troubleshoot because when you debug the script, you can see it running a line at a time. True. True. And I have used both. I will say that when it's just a super simple query that I'm bringing in via a parameter, I just use that method where I capture my query into a variable and then use just the single perform find. I haven't personally Yeah, had but you still have to specify the field, right? In the, uh... Yeah, I do have to specify the field. Uh, there's actually, uh, check this out, there's, some, there's a really tricky thing that I've done that um, I had a solution once that it had um, like a multi-query, uh, multi-record request. So I think it had like five queries in it. And across all of those five queries, one of them was an omit, and one of the records had three different values that had to be populated. 
So that would be, in essence, it would be three set fields, right? So you would, you would enter into find mode. Say your first request is automatically created for you. You would uh -huh. have three different set fields. You would then create another request or uh -huh. do that four times. One of them you would set to an omit request, and then you would finally perform your find. So you have three positive finds and one negative? Uh, four. Four positive. Okay. There were five total requests. Okay, four positives and a negative. Okay. It was like s something super complex. I didn't like okay, that's the fact complex, that I okay. had so many set fields. So here's what I did. I uh -huh. saved the five requests, but what I did is I made a request in each of the fields. The request, I simply put the word like blank a literal word of blank in request one, and because the uh -huh. rest of the requests were pretty much static. They were fixed values. So what I did is I used one single perform find, restore all requests, which restores all five requests. I knew that record number one had the request with three different values of blank. Then uh -huh. I used a perform, a perform find and replace and replaced those values with the normal browse mode find and replace, you know, the one that you can search across multiple fields? Yeah. And it basically just repopulated that request with whatever data came inbound. Wait, perform find and replace works in find mode? It, yes, it does. That's crazy. Yes, it does. That's pretty, that's pretty brilliant. I never would have thought of that. So you, that's, I, I was, I'm shocked by a lot of things. Like, uh, you think yeah. that on record load, it shouldn't work when you delete a record and there's no more records, right? If you delete the last record of a found set, there is no yeah. record to load. That trigger will still, uh, will still load after that last hmm. record is deleted. <laughs> there's all um, kinds of, of stuff that you can, obscure. you can hook into. Like, yep. yeah, find and replace works in find mode. Well, I, I promised you I was going to tell you why you would use ent uh, enter find mode and pause on, which is the default. Yes. I use that one a small percentage of the time, but here's what I do. Um, very frequently, I will make a, um, like a, a find script that takes the user to a dedicated find layout because I think it's, uh, I think it's a bad practice to use a data entry layout as a find layout. Okay. Because then it can be, uh, first of all, nothing else in the world works that way. No other website, no other application, no other app, nothing. It's just a, it's a FileMaker thing. Yep, I remember that. And so, and so users are not going to be trained for it unless they're FileMaker people. So if, if a, the user is long-term FileMaker, then I'll leave them with it. But if they're not, I will always make a, a, a dedicated find screen uh, that's laid out especially simply and has just a big find button and maybe a cancel button. I'm totally with you on that. And so the script would do this. It would say, um, go to layout, uh, actually enter find mode first, then go to the layout for the special finding thing. Um, and if there's preset things like only check, only search for records that are active or admit the records that are not deleted or whatever, put those in. And then when you enter the find mode, you pause. Uh, actually, you still have to do those things. I think I misspoke there. Anyway, if you enter find mode and pause then um, Does it, it allows you to it, do it, other it things. It pauses the script. Yeah, it's the same as a pause script command. Ah. So it waits for the user to actually fill out things, and then if they hit enter, it continues with the script and then does the oh, perform find. okay. I have Actually, what I do that. sometimes is I use enter find mode and don't pause, and then I set field for all my defaults, and then I pause the script indefinitely. 
Okay, I've got the pause on, and I'm going to run this script right here and see if I if it stops at that at my set field. Uh, set field is currently setting to nothing, and perform my find. Okay, yeah, so it's basically just sitting here. And now if I hit the return, there we go. Then uh, it continued the execution. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, there's a couple little caveats here, like... Uh, if a field uh, on that dedicated find layout, I will make all the fields not editable in browse mode. I won't put any tricky things on there like popover buttons, things I would use on my layouts all day long. Um, it's just a really simple layout with fields on it. A date field I'll make really wide so that the user can put a range. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things you can do that make sense to do that do not make sense on a data entry layout. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, if yeah. that would be a whole... Another topic. In fact, uh, let's see if uh, we obviously can't get feedback from our listeners, but if you want to send in feedback, go ahead. So I have a big contention with what that with the templates that FileMaker puts out, and and it's persisted this <laughs> whole notion that sticks with FileMaker that I just absolutely dislike. The templates. Can we have a whole episode <laughs> railing about the templates? <laughs> we can. <laughs> so, because FileMaker supports this I use query them for my by form. Class. <laughs> well, since you already brought it up, you said, you know, FileMaker does this query by form, and it's the only application that I've used that does that. And that bleeds into the thing that I really dislike that FileMaker heavily promotes you automatically just always put the field on the layout. And I'm like, no, no, and extra no. There's no other software that you are immediately able to edit the content of a field. You don't do it mm -hmm. in iOS necessarily. You have to go to the actual item if you want to edit it, or you have to click an edit button. In web software, mm -hmm. most of the time, you have to click an edit button in order to do something. Mm -hmm. You look at it first, then you edit it. You're not immediately yes. able to edit yeah, and, and pretty much on a list view, no editing ever. It's Yeah, a list view is more for a selection or a choice in order to do something with that item. Right. Yeah, but the default in FileMaker, you're right, is put a field on a layout and you can edit it, search it, and, um, you know, delete contents. <laughs> yeah, and it just leads to so many, uh, so many like, potential issues that, uh, yeah, didn't... Oh, do you remember back in the day... They had to make it such that if a user went into find mode, if they went beyond a number of requests, they had to warn the user, are you sure that you are not entering data? <laughs> because a user could get stuck by a script or accidentally going into find mode. And once you create like your 10th record, they're like... Um, are you sure you're not just entering data here? And by that time, if you've entered 10 records already, you're screwed. <laughs> like, good luck going back if it was a lot of records. It still does that. <laughs> it does that in, in 18. You are in find mode and appear to be entering new record data rather than find request criteria. Are you sure you want to create a new find request? And what did you get up to? Was it 10? 10. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Now, that was a new feature like in FileMaker Pro 6 or 5 or something. Oh. I remember it. I remember when they added it. Um, <laughs> and it's still there. Yeah, I mean, this is... And, yeah. Uh, that is so funny. Sorry, FileMaker. Yeah, You're the application we, we love, 
but we got a little bit of hate somewhere sometimes. Oh, well, you ha- I can see why they've left some of those things in there. And honestly, users who use FileMaker love the f- the ability to use a form as a search thing. Oh, it's it it is. I would never want them to take it out. Uh, I would want them to sort of revise how people get familiar with FileMaker, a la the templates. Uh, but yeah, I think some defaults could use changing. Uh, there's a whole bunch of defaults that don't make any sense, like that um, one that we just found for. Uh, it was an interfine mode, the one where where it defaulted to the wrong. True. Yeah, interfine mode pause on. Yeah. Is the default. That doesn't make sense. Well, I know exactly what you're saying. FileMaker, I mean, this is actually good. For anybody who's new, who's just learning FileMaker, the one thing you need to understand about FileMaker is that this current software is an amalgamation of multiple, multiple decades of old stuff with new stuff. And the problem with learning it is you don't know which is the old stuff and which is the new stuff. Now, to their credit... Keeping the old stuff in there has meant that their backwards compatibility is insane. I do not know any other software that I have ever worked with. This includes Node, PHP, Python, anything. As they move things up, things become deprecated, they will break, and they will no longer work. But yet in FileMaker, we keep using the same software year after year after year unless they change the file format. Um, so like one of the best examples yeah. of that is in the auto enter dialogue in auto enter looked up value is essentially null and void except for one little micro niche use. Otherwise everything else was replaced with an auto enter calculated value, but yet it's still there mm-hmm. for backwards compatibility. Yeah. So how does a user know I should also- learn look up value? Yeah. Also, auto-enter should just be not used ever for anything. It's better controlled at another layer. Oh, yeah, you're talking about like using a script? Yeah. I think auto-enter has its place. It has its place. It's for, certainly for something like a primary key, like a UUID, and for creation modification, you know, for the five fields that you get. But that's it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, actually, I, that series that I told you about, you remember the I was going to do a coronavirus application? Started uh-huh. that like two or three weeks ago, and I've been doing it. There's like the first video has like 900 and uh, almost over 1,000 views now, and I think there's an average of about 500 people going through the full series. Wow. I use auto enters heavily in what I call pre-capture tables. So in the example that I gave, you scan a driver's license with um, FileMaker Go. It captures that data into a capture table, and that capture table uses auto-enters on all of the fields according to the standard and just populates the data right into those fields. Then Mm -hmm. from that point, I decide which fields out of that data I want and push those into my actual solution. So in that case, auto-enter is just invaluable. For being able to just automatically capture discrete pieces well, of that. data, but but you have data in ten places in a field. You have code in ten places if you have ten fields. No, because what I do is I use a custom function within the auto enter. So the code it doesn't, that it doesn't matter. You it. still have code. You still have each of those fields has an, a checkbox checked to auto enter something, and then there's some code in there that that invokes the custom function and calls a specific thing for that particular thing. True. So you have code. 
everywhere. But you ha- you would likewise, code can't not exist. You will either have code I, in auto enter or you will have code in a script step. Exactly, but then you have one script that does everything, and then and then that one script that says that has ten set field commands. Yeah, I can. You'd have one central place to manage. But in your case, though, you'd have one other thing, right? You'd have to actually invoke that in a loop after the records are imported, which is, I could see your reasoning. I could see Well, in my why case, chose... most of the code is in a custom function. If I want to change what happens on each auto-enter, I can do it in the custom function. And that's yet a third place you have code now, right? Oh, but the custom functions are absolutely awesome. That's, that's the only place in all of FileMaker that you have code that is universally executable. In that one application. Yeah. Until you copy and paste it from just something else. <laughs> well, if you have multiple files, yeah. Yeah, but again, but again it's not in your script. Ah, uh, right? So if you, have a, if you have a script invoke that, like this, if a script has to run for this thing to do its job, now you have a script which has some code, calling 10 fields which have code, calling custom function which has code. But you could have just had code only in the script and nowhere else. True, but the script is not automatic unless I tie it to one of FileMaker's triggers. Right. The user, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. In- the user must invoke a script. Auto enter will happen at the data layer. That is true. No matter what. Yep. And that's what I like because from the point in time that the data goes in, if I know that the data has been parsed, that makes me feel a little more secure rather than knowing that I have to have something actually happen. On behalf of the user. Yep, I get it. I just disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I even though I, I prefer it that way, for sure there are times when I use auto enter for something like what you're talking about. Well, the, and even though I generally don't use custom functions, absolutely there are times I do because it's they're they're very useful for certain things. Oh, you know, I uh, I've heard other podcasts and it's funny. I won't say which ones, but. Uh, it's fun to listen. I think people like listening to us because we talk about our differences, but I think I am the type of developer that I wonder how many people, like, we should put up a poll somewhere. It's like, do you like your uh, data viewer to be cluttered or clean? Because my data viewer will be full of hundreds of uh, global variables. I just don't mind it because yeah. I namespace them so it's easy to find them based on sorting. But some developers, they hate having global variables in their data viewer. But I'm like... Do you mean you mean on the current tab or the watch tab? On the current tab. Oh, yeah, yeah. So in other words, you just use global variables really heavily. Oh, yeah. Because that, yeah. to me, that is my massive memory sandbox. I can put anything sure. in there that I want to store. But It's s- true. You have a there's a, really, there's a potential security problem there, though. There is. There was, minor. there was in 13. 13 had the issue. They fixed it after 13. And it's only if a hacker knows how to actually scrape memory. Uh, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. Ah. Um, uh, if, if, if a user of the database in anything that they do can execute a uh, their, like their own code, like if they have if they have ability to to script on one script. Oh, true. Then they could run and evaluate. They don't even have to do an evaluate. They can just do a let function and and rewrite whatever val- contents of whatever uh, global variables you've set. Yes, and as long as so you... if you have a global variable that says this user is, is authenticated, 
you know, dollar dollar authenticated equals one. Yeah, well, as long if as they you can just know by that whatever that mechanism exists, the probabilities for me are low enough that one, I'm not going to do it on anything security related. It's right. usually based on, you know, I'm showing a label and it's a localized label, whether I'm showing Spanish or English on a layout. Fine. You want to change yeah. the language? Go ahead. Change the language. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. But Yeah, I think you're totally right. The probabilities are, are fairly low, but the theoretical. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you can go. We, par- we're college professors. We live in the theoretical world, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can go as paranoid as you want, because I know how to, uh, how to use some of the development tools that come with uh, Xcode, but I don't know how to use something to actually scrape memory and then go through and decompile that from hex or whatever it's stored and actually find the name of a variable. I know there are people who can do it. But it's so small, and they're not using FileMaker that it doesn't concern me to the extent that if it's something that's dealing with the UI, if it's a switch that determines whether a script is going to run this versus that, I say good luck to them and find it. Yeah. But if it's security-related, like you mentioned, I, I never do that. It's just as long as you know what the consequences, potential consequences are of making a certain choice. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's sort of like, I, I remember there was, uh, back in the day, um, John Sindelar in his calendar, and um, I remember having conversations with Todd Geist, who had talked with John Sindelar. They, he provides a product to FileMaker users, and FileMaker Advanced was the only way that you could use custom functions. So they absolutely and outright refused to use custom functions because it wasn't portable code, meaning it wasn't mm-hmm. like a script that could be copied and pasted. So Todd Geist then went and started uh, Modular FileMaker, and Modular FileMaker did not use custom functions either. Mm-hmm. But then, as soon as FileMaker Pro came out and said, okay, everybody now gets access to custom functions, it's not just FileMaker Advanced, mm-hmm. I think Todd changed his tune a little bit. It's like, okay, yeah, this is a good place to put things now, because it can come along. And with upcoming FileMaker, the ability to update solutions, custom functions will be part of that. And for me, it's just... You can't ignore advantageous aspects of FileMaker. So I'm, I'm like custom functions, global variables, <laughs> whatever it's got, sure. I'll use it. Yep. So. Yeah, and I, I see what you're saying about the large number of global variables, too. I, it is kind of convenient, but it, but it can pollute the data viewer if you get several hundred of them on an application. Um, <clears throat> I wish they could be namespaced a little bit and collapsed you know like if you had a list you can say oh these are all the ones from my interface just turn that triangle and i don't want to see them right now yeah exactly dude <laughs> That'd be nice if they would let me loose with their engineers on the ide of filemaker you could make this environment so killer i mean you could but uh, as we saw at devcon which probably won't be happening this year i would guess but they revealed that they're heading in a potential direction of, uh, you know, whatever the FileMaker Next is. They showed it that DevCon, and they put it on YouTube. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know where they're going to go. I'm hoping that they'll put some of their R&D towards the next-generation version of FileMaker, and if that's browser-based and JavaScript and Node. But I'm hoping that they'll keep some of their money and keep developing this environment. My mm-hmm. argument for that is... If you took away text editors from conventional coders and you made them work in Notepad, do you know how pissed they would be? 
the text editor is their environment. So for us, yep. the environment for creating a FileMaker solution is the FileMaker environment. Yep. And it, it would I would imagine it would take them at least five, five, ten, five years to a decade to come up with feature parity in JavaScript. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe they'll do it in one or two years if they create a JavaScript client and it has all yeah. the same functionality of FileMaker. I will be damn impressed if they do. Yeah. I'm gonna, I have one other thought, and then let's wrap. This really cracked me up. Everything in the world on all the other apps uh, has been moving away from an app that you download and install on your computer and towards web. Maybe one of the highest examples of that is QuickBooks. QuickBooks is pretty, pretty much, pretty much no application development into the QuickBooks True. Mac and PC versions. True. And everything into online. Well, they just released. QuickBooks Online Desktop Edition. It's a desktop application that you download and install that uses all of your online data. So in other words, you still have QuickBooks Online, but you're using the desktop to get, quote, up to 46% more speed. So wait, let me get this right. So they figured out that taking advantage of the local device, that is your computer and its computing mm -hmm. power, is actually good, and they're going backwards and giving you desktop software they're just basically hitting their own api yes that's exactly <laughs> it Take so this is the same as like if you have a banking app on your phone that does the same thing as the bank website it's definitely a better experience to use the banking app oh. it does a better job taking pictures of your checks to deposit them it does a better job with its own security layer oh please filemaker so, take note take note quicken is huge Keep developing well, tell the me, desktop environment. Well, tell me how this is now fundamentally different than what we have right today. The FileMaker Pro application we download and install, and all our data is on a cloud server. That's, to me, the same. Oh, no joke. This is, it's, it's actually, it, it, it sort of accidentally put FileMaker in, back into the, the current way things are done in other application environments. Oh my gosh. It's, I think it's really funny. No joke. If they could get, if they could just get Apple to kick them down, I don't know, the tax they collect on iPhones <laughs> or whatever, you know, a portion of a micro fraction of the tax they collect on yeah. iPhones or percentage and just put that into the R&D, I think FileMaker's development environment, you know, natively on both Windows and Mac could just be stellar. I mean stellar. Mm -hmm. But uh, the web, the web, the web is all about me too products. Oh, somebody else has got this. I've got to do it too, and I've got to build it in the web. Yep, that's true. I mean, it's great. It's out there, but I, there, you still have people that they don't want to use the web. It's sort of like, uh, it's funny. I'll make a choice. Sometimes I'll go and use a Google Sheet because I know that I need to share that directly with another person. But if I'm doing my own spreadsheet, what do I open up? Numbers. Because it's just really? a better experience. Yeah. I open up numbers and I'll work right in that because even though the browser is a window sitting there looking at me just like the Windows, the numbers window would if I opened software, yeah. I'm like, it's, yeah, I just feel more empowered with local software. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Probably me. No, I don't think so. I mean, on your phone, how often do you use a web browser 
versus an app for some given function. I don't. If I'm going mean, to read I, Reddit, I use the Reddit app. Right. And But there's a site. Twitter, there's a site. Facebook, there's a site. Instagram, there's a site. Why, why, but in every single one of those cases, you use the app. Yeah. Why, and that sort of leapfrogged what we were doing on the desktop. Because on my desktop, I have a lot of tabs open in my browser always. Because I don't have a desktop app for my bank. I don't have a desktop app for QuickBooks until now. <laughs> um, what other tabs do I have open? Oh, I actually really love the Gmail experience. I don't use mail. I use uh, just the Gmail interface. Yeah, in the, in the web you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these other ones are like there's a tab. There's a uh, tablature thing for learning guitar songs, 911tabs.com. They don't have an app, right? So I use the site. But if, 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 if these things had little apps I could download, I might just download them and use them instead. It would be better. Yep. Hopefully they'll split the difference and they'll just keep going with the uh, the desktop IDE and but then they'll also supplement with the web-based experience and just try to expand their market. But I really pray that they don't abandon the uh, the development environment. I mean that's what you and I and hundreds, probably thousands. tens of thousands. <laughs> yeah. According to them, fifty thousand. But that's, I don't think that's actual developers. If I had to guess, I'd say their market's probably 10,000 hardcore developers. But what do I know? I don't have access to their numbers. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, the U.S. is like, what, 30% of their market, something like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know and that. We only really, yeah, I only really know the U.S. market. Hmm. Well, I know Japan's big. I, think that, I thought yeah. that was number two, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Which means per capita, far and away bigger. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I think like New Zealand, Australia, really big. Europe, not as big. And I think um, not very big in Asia, South America, and Africa, probably. Maybe someday we'll be able to get somebody on here and say, hey, Brad, Freitag, how big is FileMaker? <laughs> Yeah. Give us some details. Don't show us circles and bubbles about how you've maintained year-over-year year growth. Just tell us, you know, we're doing great, and here's where we're doing great. I think a few people at Claris listen to this, so if you if they want to come on and talk or and, uh, share information like this that would be good uh, for developers to know, let's talk to them. Yeah, I'm totally of the mindset that the more transparent you are about things, the more helpful people want to be. People in general don't like to see things fail, especially if they're endeared to it and they're passionate about it, which that is a FileMaker market. You can't ask for a highly passionate market. I mean, That's true. I could go into the world of PHP and find a PHP developer and he's like, yeah, I can do PHP and I can do this other language too. What do you want yeah. built? You can find a right. FileMaker developer and like, oh, we could do this, and we could do this, and we could do that. Yep. That is valuable. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, pay attention to those people and build stuff that they want, and they will build your market for you. It's not just that's up to you funny. to market. It's that, yeah, it's like we, we could have learned other tools, and we do know some other tools, but this is the tool we like because, because of what it can do for our customers. Yeah. And I, I feel very passionate about that. You do too. Let's wrap on that note because we have things to do, places to go. True story. We do. Ooh, yeah. It's our 
Thanks. I'd kind of like you know what? I didn't catch what you said last time when you're like AFYFM. <laughs> like I, I, when I re-listened, I heard it. Thanks for listening to KFM ninety-seven point one jazz, smooth jazz. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, see you later, buddy. All right.